everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff, and I am looking around the studio and I cannot find Mark. There seem, We seem to be missing a co-host this week, but uh, Mark is uh, busy on the road, as we talked about last week. So he is, uh, this is a busy time of the year. He couldn't make it this uh, week. I am battling a cold that I picked up in New York City. So I apologize for my voice, but we will struggle through here and hopefully get through what, this is our first solo episode that I have done. And this is show number 46. So Mark, we miss you, but we will plot on and we look forward to seeing you next week. As we get back into the the regular swing of things, so this is normally the part of the show though where I would uh, give Mark an out if he didn't want to talk about baseball history. He's not here, so I've just decided we're going to change the format and we're just going to talk about the rise of Skywalker spoilers. We're just going to talk Star Wars. It's going to be a solo Star Wars podcast for the next. Uh, we're going to go, probably go an hour and a half today. No, no, I'm being told no. My one of my dogs is here in the room and he said no. So we're going to, we'll stick with the Baseball History Podcast. Uh, I've got a couple of things that I've been saving for the holiday season to talk about baseball-wise. Might not be a lot of baseball going on on the field, at least in in, in North America, but I've got some baseball history stuff. I've also got a quiz that I had given Mark and recorded previously, but it somehow lost that. So it's all new to you, the listener, so I will give you that quiz. We'll see how you score, and I'll tell you how Mark scored after that. And then uh, I'm going to do a solo Wax Packs Hero today. I've got some Rack Packs. Now, I'm not going to record a new theme song for that, but we we do uh, we will go through a pack of baseball cards and just see what we come up with. We've got some new rules we've been We've been kicking around too the last couple of weeks. We'll see we'll see how that goes when we do a solo pack. But let's let's first uh, jump right into our BP segment. This is uh, normally where we kind of look at some of the the shorter things uh, that have been going around uh, baseball that maybe we want to talk about. And like I said, it is the holiday season, and uh, there's a jolly fat man generally involved in holiday festivities. There's also a jolly fat man generally involved with baseball that is retiring, well, did just retire after this last season, and that is CC Sabathia. And I did not know, CC Sabathia has actually written a, a, a child's book, a child's book, a book for children, and it is about Christmas. And I just want to give you a quick snippet here of the synopsis. I'll, I'll link this in the show notes too. It's probably a little late to to get this for a Christmas gift, but just in case you are wondering, uh, this is a, a book for all ages. It's a sweet holiday story of how beloved New York Yankee star pitcher CeCe Zabathia and his son Karsten uh, saved Christmas, thankfully. They they saved it. I, maybe that was from the war on Christmas. I don't know. The, the Great War. Uh, CeCe Zabathia, however, in this book, finds a letter addressed to Santa from a little girl whose family has lost everything in a flood. And uh, CeCe and his son Karsten head to the North Pole to deliver the letter to Santa. I, don't, I guess the post office, not... They they couldn't trust the post office? I don't know. Uh, but Santa and his elves are too overwhelmed to finish presents for another family this close to Christmas. So Santa's basically like, uh, too bad. Too that's 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 too bad. Santa kind of a jerk in this in this story. But they're determined to help Santa make sure every child has a happy Christmas. 
So Cece calls his boss, Mr. Steinbrenner, who rallies a lineup of helpers, including Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Jackie Robinson, and more baseball legends, who are apparently uh, just force ghosts in the story, but they're there. And I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I'm going to guess that you can, can figure out how it ends. Uh, you can get a, your own copy of this book for only $16.99. Like I said, I'll put that link in the show notes. Uh, I'm hoping that CC's probably donating that to charity, anything he makes off of that. But I did not know uh, CC Sabathia was an actual author, but he's got a, he's got a uh, holiday book, so good for him. Apparently, there's also a, a book called Christmas in Cooperstown, but I'm not going to go into that because we've already done our book corner now for this one. Uh, normally in the uh, pregame show during the regular season, we'll do a birthdays and debuts. We've kind of pushed that aside uh, because it is the off season. Obviously nobody is debuting at this point, but I do want to hit a birthday. And if you are a listener of this show for any amount of time, you're probably going to be able to guess who I am going to talk about, who was born on not the day the show drops, which is the December 24th, but the day after, December 25th. And I am not talking about JC. I'm talking about the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the goat, Ricky Henderson. Born on December 25th, 1958, in Chicago, Illinois. The man that has shaped uh, most of my baseball fandom uh, was born, and he'd probably still be playing if he wanted to. Well, not if he wanted to. He wants to. Uh, probably still be playing if he could. He, he could probably go down to South America and play somewhere with Julio Franco, who I think is still playing somewhere. But uh, I, in our household, we celebrate Rickmas. Uh, I've had a cat that I've named uh, after Ricky. Uh, she's unfortunately passed away. But uh, we've had many, many things in my household named after Ricky Henderson. And uh, Lord knows, sitting in this office that I'm recording this in, there are there's Ricky Anderson stuff everywhere, everywhere you can look. But uh, happy birthday to Ricky Anderson. He will, uh, what is he? He's turning 59, getting to be an old man. Probably still steal a couple of bases, but uh, happy birthday to Ricky Henderson. What we have been doing, however, since we've not been doing the debuts, is we have been highlighting uh, some of the 42 minor league teams that Major League Baseball is threatening to essentially disenfranchise from the major leagues and so we're going to keep doing that this week i wanted to highlight the binghamton rumble ponies because that is a funny name and i did not know what a rumble pony was until i looked this up this franchise has been around since 1976 they've made a couple of different stops in their history they started out in williamsport pennsylvania as the bills then after only one season they moved to jersey city new jersey played for two seasons there, and then backed up again and moved to Buffalo, New York, where they played for five seasons. So they're not really, they don't really like to set roots down, apparently. Then in 1987, they returned to Williamsport. Uh, there they became an affiliate of the Cleveland Indians for a couple of seasons, then the Seattle Mariners for a couple of seasons, and then they actually moved again. They actually split into two different teams, and Eventually, one of those teams ended up in 1991 in Binghamton, New York, where they became the Binghamton Mets, the double-A franchise of the New York Mets. They have been a Mets franchise since then, and uh, 
how did they get their name now, you ask? Because I, I knew them as the Binghamton Mets for quite a while. But in 2016, the franchise said, all right, we're going to actually put down some roots. We're going to stay here. Let's have some help. Let's let's name this team. We've had a similar story just a, a week or so ago when we did these minor league team uh, histories. So they came up with a couple of uh, names as was submitted by fans. These are some good ones. Uh, first name was the Bullheads, having to do with a bullhead catfish, which they apparently have a lot of around the area. The Gobblers, which I that could have made a great logo. The Gobblers, because there's a lot of turkeys around Binghamton. The Rocking Horses. So Binghamton is one of three cities that makes up the carousel capital of the world. And a rocking horse, I guess that's one name for the horses on a carousel. Uh, next was the Rumble Ponies. Spoiler alert, that's going to be your winner, uh, which is also a, a carousel horse, something that you would call a, a horse on a carousel. They also had the name Stud Muffins, which probably would have gotten my vote. Maybe the Gobblers, but then Stud Muffins, which apparently, and this is, I had no idea, a collection of carousel horses are called Stud Muffins, I guess. I don't know. And finally, Timber Jockeys, which is another name for somebody who rides a carousel, Timber Jockey. So there you go. Uh, November 3rd, 2016, they announced it. Hey, we're the Rumble Ponies. Uh, they've actually got a pretty cool logo. Uh, it is essentially the first like third of a horse, and then it's got a stick through it. So it's actually, it's a little macabre, I'm not going to lie. But knowing that it is it does go on a carousel, it makes it a little bit, little bit easier to swallow. But so uh, in their in their time at Binghamton, they have won three league titles. They've won three division titles, all in uh, the 1990s and early 2000s. Uh, like I said, they started out as a Cleveland Indians affiliate, then the Mariners, and then they've been the Mets since 1991. They are currently uh, in need of a uh, manager and general manager. So if you are so inclined, you might want to get in touch with them. It might be short term. Because like I said, this is one of those teams that Major League Baseball is trying to get rid of because they're idiots. But uh, there you go. Uh, a couple of managers that you may have heard of that have overseen this team. Uh, like, you know, we like to look at these old guys, see some of these names. Mike Hargrove, the human rain delay, managed the team in 1988. Just one year. Most of these guys did not manage very long. 1991. A grumpy old man and just relieved manager Clint Hurdle was there for a one and out season. Former Toronto Blue Jays manager John Gibbons managed there for one year. Here's a name for Atlanta Braves fans that I haven't heard for a while. Ken Oberkfell. Just one year, but he was there. You know, he steered them to a second place finish. And then, oh, one of my favorites. We've talked about this guy before. Middle infielder for the... Philadelphia Phillies, he of the Jerry Curl, Juan Samuel. He was there for one year. Boy, just one and out. I don't know if these guys are, are moving on to bigger and better or what, but he was there for one year. And then we start getting into some of the Mets from those, especially from the 86 through kind of 88 time period. We got Tim Tuffle was there for, for one year. Wally Backman, he of the legal problems, was there for one year as well. And then some other guys that have... Uh, carried on since then that don't really uh don't really ring a bell for me but there you go so there is uh there is the binghamton mets again one of these uh, 42 teams that major league baseball is threatening to disassociate with the major leagues and kind of 
make them be independent. And uh, it's sad. So we'll continue to look through these teams as we as we go through the, uh, the end of the year here and into the new year and highlight some of them. All right, so let's let the uh, the grounds crew come in. They're going to uh, going to chalk the lines, wet down the infield, and while they do that, I've got a couple of things here to talk about. This isn't this isn't really a tales from the dugout since it's just me, but I'm, I've got a quiz that I've put together. I lo- I love to put together these quizzes, and uh, I gave Mark this quiz as I mentioned earlier, and then somehow I lost the recording of it. I've I've spent about two hours today going through old show recordings and trying to find this and uh, I can't find it. So I'm going to just give this quiz to you, the listener. I'm going to give you the questions, let you think about it. Then I've got a quick story. Then we'll come back and we'll hit up the answers before we get to Wax Packs Heroes. All right. So uh, get out your pad and paper so you can, you know, make some mental notes here and, and, and jot down the answers. So first question, Ryan Sandberg. We talk about Rhino quite a bit here on this show. One of our favorite second basemen of all time. Uh, plus, he just spells his name really cool. Ryan, R-Y-N-E. One of my favorites. From Spokane, Washington. Or as we called it when I went to Washington State, Spokangeles. So Ryan Sandberg led the National League at least once in all but which of the following categories? So he led the league at least once in all but which of the following categories? Home runs, triples, RBIs or runs scored? So I'll let you think about that one for a minute. Next question. Which of these players never hit for the cycle in their career? Never hit for their cycle. Red Sox catching legend Rich Gedman. Our Hall of Fame snub Larry Walker. One of the Molina brothers, Benji Molina. And the Hammer, Craig Colburn. I think he was the Hammer. He was either the Hammer or he was a he also went by the Cobra, I think. I think I remember him as the Hammer more, but there you go. So your answer is Rich Gedman, Larry Walker, Benji Molina, or Greg Colburn. Which of these players never hit for the cycle? Next question. Who has more career stolen bases? And Ricky Henderson is not one of your answers here. So who has more career stolen bases? Pudge, one or two, Carlton Fisk or Yvonne Rodriguez. Those are both answers. Ken Caminiti or the big cat, Andres Galarraga. So who has more career stolen bases? Carlton Fisk, Ivan Rodriguez, Ken Caminiti, or Andres Galarraga? Next question. Which of these players did not win the All-Star MVP two times? Which of these players did not win the All-Star MVP twice? Ken Griffey Jr., Gary Carter, Steve Garvey, or Mr. Michael Trout? So which one of those did not win the All-Star MVP two times? Ken Griffey Jr., Gary Carter, Steve Garvey, or Mike Trout? And our final question, the only non-multiple choice question, who is the franchise stolen base leader for the San Diego Padres? So the San Diego dads, you got to think through their, their history. Who would have the most stolen bases? Now, remember... Ricky Henderson played for the San Diego Padres for a couple of seasons. They had Bip Roberts played for the San Diego Padres for a couple of seasons. Let's see who are, what other speedsters have have been there. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give anything away here, but 
see if you can come up with who who is the career franchise stolen base leader for the San Diego Padres. So there are five questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you think about that for a little bit while I tell you about the the history of Inky the elephant, and then we'll come back and I'll give you the answers to those. So who who the heck is Inky the elephant? You say. Well, if you're an A's fan, you know who Inky the elephant is. Inky the elephant is that elephant mascot that has been around for the athletics franchise for quite some time. I was super excited because this season, the A's batting practice hat is dark green, and then it's got a white elephant on. And it's it's the Inky from way back in the Philadelphia athletics days. And it's one of my absolute favorite hats. I wore it. Well, I know I wore it to more games than any other hat this year because I kept track. But let's let's talk quickly about the history of Inky the elephant. So he is a white elephant, if you have not noticed. He is white. And uh, white elephant is a phrase that you might have heard but might not know exactly what the history is of the phrase. So a white elephant, it's also known by different names throughout the country around the holiday times. Uh, some people call it a gift exchange. Some people call it a Yankee swap. A dirty Santa, which sounds like something completely different to me, but some other names for it. Uh, and this is a, a game often played, like I said, during holidays where everybody brings a gift and eventually you exchange them. You might be able to pick, you know, a gift that somebody else has already gotten or you go and get another one that you don't know what it is and you open it up. Usually the goal of this game is to exchange, uh, you know, a, something that is entertaining and uh, funny rather than being practical or valuable. You, you try to you know make people laugh with this gift rather than give them something that they might actually want. So the term white elephant, though, actually refers to an extravagant but impractical gift that can't be easily disposed of. And this phrase came from a historic practice by the King of Siam, which is now known as Thailand. And for all of you, King and I fans out there, the King of Siam. Big, big reference right there. What he would do, the king would give rare albino elephants to people that he uh, didn't like, that pissed him off, who displeased him. He'd give them a big white albino elephant. These are very rare. And he would do that so that that person would uh, hopefully go broke and die a pauper, you know, trying to keep the animal alive. Because you don't want to, if the King of Siam gives you a, rare albino elephant you don't want it to die on your watch so you got to spend all this money to keep it alive so you might ask now why do a's have white elephant as their mascot we talked about this guy last week new york giants manager john mcgraw because he was he was suckered in by that by victory faust because victory faust you know had a fortune teller tell him he should be on the team and let him on so john mcgraw told reporters that the uh, the owner of the philadelphia athletics benjamin scheib who also, you know, Scheid Park, where they played, he was named after him, that he had a white elephant on his hands, referring to the team, the Philadelphia Athletics. So the uh, the Philadelphia Athletics manager, who if you can't guess who the manager of the Philadelphia Athletics is, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Of course, it was Connie Mack. He defiantly adopted the white elephant as the team mascot. He presented John McGraw with a stuffed toy elephant at the start of the 1905 World Series. Now, McGraw and Mac had been friends for quite some time, so McGraw took it with a, you know, graciously and a grain of salt, laughed about it, blah, blah, blah. By 1909, the A's were actually wearing the elephant logo on their sweaters, which is awesome because baseball players used to wear sweaters to warm up in. 
and they had cool things like elephant logos on them. Then in 1918, it turned up on the regular uniform jersey for the very first time. Stayed there throughout their stay in Philadelphia. In 1963, when the A's relocated to Kansas City, then-owner Charlie Finley, our buddy, just everyone loved him, changed the team mascot from an elephant to a mule, which is the state animal of Missouri. This is also rumored to have been done in order to appeal uh, to fans in the region who were predominantly Democrats at the time. Of course, the traditional Republican symbol is an elephant, and the Democratic Party is a donkey. Since 1988, which was the Athletics' 21st season in Oakland, an illustration of an elephant has been on the left sleeve of the A's home and road jerseys since then. Beginning in the mid-1980s, an on-field costumed person uh, has stomped around. I say stomped, I shouldn't say that. But uh, has been dressed up as an elephant mascot that had gone by the name of Harry Elefante. For all you fans out there that are going to now say, Dale. Dale. Then uh, in 1997, Dale. he took on his current form of Stomper, who's a little bit more kid-friendly, I think, and is still definitely uh, highly involved in everywhere around Ace games. So there you go. That is why the Oakland A's, I get asked this question all the time, is why do the A's have an elephant as their mascot? And there you go. It all has to do with the white elephant, the Yankee swap, the dirty Santa, that kind of stuff, you can you can now tell people that John McGraw thought that Connie Mack had a ridiculously overpriced and uh, ineffective team, a white elephant on his hands, and Connie Mack ran with it, essentially trolling John McGraw for the rest of his time in Philadelphia. So there you go. All right, let's jump back to our quiz. I'll give you the answers to these five questions, and then we'll get into Waxback's Heroes. So let me, uh, let, let me read you the question again, and then I'll give you the answer. So Ryan Sandberg led the league at least once in all but which of the following categories? Home runs, triples, RBIs, or runs? So this one, you know, I, I threw all of these in there knowing, except for triples, knowing that Ryan Sandberg was not a particularly swift individual. But believe it or not, in 1984, he hit 19 triples to lead the league. Something... It, it was like the ball was only like almost juiced there. It wasn't home run powers, just triples. So uh, he also led the league in home runs in 1990 where he hit 40. And he led the league in runs scored three times in 84, 89, and 90. He never led the National League in RBI. Next question, which of these players never hit for the cycle? Again, I gave you four players that if none of them hit for the cycle ever, you would not be surprised. Uh, you're... you're possibilities here were Rich Gedman, Larry Walker, Benji Molina, and Greg Colbert. Now, three of these gentlemen did hit for the cycle, which is shocking to me. The only one that did not hit for the cycle is the one that I would have guessed did hit for the cycle, though, and that is Mr. Larry Walker. Never hit for the cycle. Rich Gedman, 1985, Benji Molina. I think I remember Molina's because the fact that he hit a triple was just incredible. Uh, was in 2010, and then Craig Colburn in 2002. Next question, who has more career stolen bases? Again, gave you a lot of slow players, a lot of big plotting. Two of them are catchers. The other two are the third baseman and a first baseman. So Carlton Fisk, Yvonne Rodriguez, their nicknames were Pudge. So they're probably you know not going to steal a whole lot of bases. Ken Caminiti, if you remember him. Uh, those steroids made him very large. 
And then Andres Galarraga, who was the big cat and one of my favorite players. And I loved when I was working at the Braves that Andres Galarraga was there. Everyone loved him. Who has the most career stolen bases? The correct answer, it's actually a tie. Carlton Fisk and Andres Galarraga both have 128 career stolen bases. 128. Yvonne Rodriguez has 114. If you gave me this list, I would have said Ken Caminiti. He had only 88. So I I fooled myself there when I was trying to come up with some, some alternate answers there for people that were slower than Carlton Fisk and Andres Galarraga. Next question, which of these players did not win the All-Star MVP twice? You got to choose from Ken Griffey Jr., Gary Carter, Steve Garvey, and Mike Trout. Now, those are some great names. We all know Mike Trout's won more than, uh, has won it at least twice. You know, that's recent. Might be a little bit harder to remember the kid and Steve Garvey, the kid. You say the kid, and Ken Griffey Jr. was also called the kid, wasn't he? But I'm talking about Gary Carter is is who I'm referring to as the kid. But those were, I mean, those guys were at the end of their career when I started getting into baseball. So I wasn't exactly sure about that. And then Ken Griffey Jr. was an all-star every single year of his career. So it's kind of hard to imagine that he didn't win it twice. But he is the answer. Ken Griffey Jr. only won it once. Everybody else won it twice. So Ken Griffey Jr. only won the all-star MVP one time. Then the final question who is the franchise stolen base leader for the San Diego Padres? Now, I tried to lead you down some different roads here by giving you some names of some guys that you might think of being quick. But Kilvio Veras, how about that? Well, he was on the Padres, I believe, for a while. And I just pulled that name right out of midair. The, uh, the answer, though, is 319. And that's by Tony Gwent. Tony Gwent is your... Stolen base franchise leader for the San Diego Padres. And, uh, you know, Mark and I have talked about it before. Tony Gwynn was a heck of an athlete when he was younger. Uh, His later years, you know, he was a little bit uh, on the Babe Ruth uh, side. You know, a little bit bit chunky. But dude just hit. But when he first came up, he was pretty svelte. Played basketball at uh, San Diego State University. Was a great athlete and had 319 career stolen bases. All of them, of course, for the San Diego Padres, and he is the franchise stolen base leader. So there you go. There's a quiz. I love making those quizzes. Those are a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed those. Let me know how you scored. If you want to you know, get a hold of us via social media, we are at 2 Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Let me know, uh, let me know how, you, how you did with that. I would have probably not scored that well if, if I wasn't creating the quiz, but... Uh, I believe Mark got three out of five. And again, I apologize for having lost his uh, incredible answers and sharp wit that I'm sure he injected in there. But there you go. All right. So uh, we're going to do we're going to do a first here. We're going to do a solo wax pack. I'm not sure. We're definitely not going to count this in the standings. Uh, I am going to, instead of opening a wax pack like we usually do, I've got a couple of rack packs, which if you remember what rack packs were, they were essentially three packs of cards, but they were all just, they were all hanging in in, in a cellophane 
pack. So you can hear there's the cellophane that it's in. I've cut one of them off. Uh, you know, you can see who's the the first player on each of these uh, each of these cards when you get a rack pack. So it's kind of like those uh, you know f initial scorecards where you can see who the first and last player was. But I thought we would just do it uh, just for fun here. I've got uh, I'm working with ninety flares. Uh, which aren't bad looking cards. Uh, they got a lot of a lot of white on the border, but they're not bad looking cards. And I, I just picked the one on the bottom of the three here uh, on this rack pack with Steve Rosenberg of the Chicago White Sox, who I've never heard of. So I'm sure this pack holds a lot of great cards in there. But go ahead and open it up. Well, now this does bode well, though, because on the back we get stickers. You get four, they call them action stickers. And they're they're circular stickers, but one of them is an A sticker. And, and another one's an Expos. So that's good. Then we've got the Dodgers, who's got the same logo as they do today. And then the Mariners, that's got the M's with on a baseball. So those are actually, those are actually good, uh, good stickers. And there's a quiz on the back. I'm going to, I'm going to save that for a later, later show. All right. So let's, uh, let's start getting through these. Uh, like I said, leading off is Steve Rosenberg, pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. I am not holding um, any high hopes for Mr. Steve Rosenberg. No, uh, there, there is nothing there. Uh, he is one off from a Sammy Sosa rookie card, though, so that would have been nice. Uh, I did forget to go over the rules here. I guess I should do that before we get too far in. We're, we are using a Beckett's baseball card monthly from 1992 so that these cards have some value to them. Uh, we are also giving out extra points. You do get an extra cent if the player is sporting a mustache, because many players did at this time. Also, you get an extra five cents if that player has gone on to become a Hall of Famer. And uh, we're toying around. We're going to do it since it's just me here today. We're going to toy around with a couple of additional rules, uh, one of which is you get an extra cent if you are wearing actual stirrups. If you are wearing the two-in-ones, you know, those fake stirrups, you get minus point because real stirrups are awesome. So we'll see how that goes. Now, I cannot tell here if Steve Rosenberg, I want to say he's wearing real ones, but I can't really see his feet. So we're going to just pass on that one. All right, next we've got a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, Rick Mahler, M-A-H-L-E-R. Now, I remember Rick from the uh, Braves more than anything. But I'm gonna, and he did come up with the Braves. Spent a lot of time with the Braves. This is actually his first year with the Reds, apparently. But that card, I'm gonna guess it's probably not worth anything. It is not. Uh, taking a look at it, no mustache. He is wearing real stirrups though. So right off the bat, there, I'll get, a, I'll get a cent for that. Oh, here we go. This is a great ah, boy. This guy played forever, and he's got a son that's, I believe, still in the major leagues. Outfielder for the Montreal Expos, Marquise Grissom. Boy, I liked Mar. I remember Marquise when I was uh, working in Atlanta. He was there, and he sponsored a wood baseball classic tournament every year, which was a big thing. But that's a he's in. Uh, that's a good picture. He's warming up. It's in BP. He's got a red jersey on, red Expos jersey on. It's clearly in Dodger Stadium. Uh, let's see if uh, this is a rookie card, too. So 
Marquise Grissom. That is 15 cents right there for Mr. Grissom. And he is sporting a mustache, as he normally did. So that's a good card. That's 16 cents. Here we go. Outfielder for the uh, Seattle Mariners. I'm sure Mark would have something to say about this. Darnell Coles. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say for Mark, he was a uh, solid fourth outfielder. I feel pretty confident in saying that. I know the name. I don't really remember much about him. Uh, he is sporting a mustache, though, so that is another scent there for Mr. Coles. A lot of these shots are just, uh, just from the waist up, so I can't tell if they're wearing real stirrups or not. This is a good card here. Uh, he's listed as an infielder, but he is a third baseman, a gold glove third baseman for the San Francisco Giants, former third base coach for the Oakland Athletics, former manager for the, I believe he managed, it was either the Nationals or the Diamondbacks or maybe both, and now is managing in Korea next year, Matt Williams, the big Marine. That's a good card. Matt Williams. That is worth four cents for Matty. He is not sporting a mustache, but he does have real stirrups on. Bless his heart. And uh, there he is. Looks like he's just stroked a ball in Shea Stadium. Again, one of my superpowers, being able to tell where most baseball cards were were shot. All right, next card, we go to a major league prospect. And this is a dual card. There's two players, one on each side. Both pitchers, one for the St. Louis Cardinals, Matt Kinzer, and the other for the Chicago White Sox, Wayne Edwards. Never heard of either of these gentlemen. Um, let's see if this is actually worth anything. Oh, that is worth two cents right there. Um, there is a picture. Wayne Edwards is in mid-stretch, and he is wearing stirrups. And uh, Matt Kinzer has got a mustache, so we're gonna we're gonna say that's worth four cents. Never heard of either of those guys. Next, we've got pitcher for the Pirates, Rick Reed. Remember that name? Couldn't tell you much about him. That is the uh, no. I was gonna say that was the epitome of a uh, of a common, but that is his rookie card, and that is worth three cents. I would, if you would have ever told me that Rick Reed ever had a card worth anything, I would have probably slapped you in the face, but nope, there you go. Next, we've got pitcher for the Seattle Mariners, Keith Comstock. And he is sporting a BP jersey that is not a good-looking jersey. Who who makes their, their BP jersey gray? It is not a good look there, but it's not Mr. Comstock's fault. Uh, Keith Comstock was around for quite a while at this point. He broke into the big leagues in 84 and uh, actually went over and played. Uh, now, this is pretty cool. Flair actually lists he went over and played for the Yamayuri Giants, and they've got his stats in here. Then he came back and played for the actual San Francisco Giants. But that's, uh, that's pretty cool that they've actually got his Japanese numbers on here. Uh, that card is not worth anything except for the one cent for that. That is a thick mustache. That's almost a two-center. Here we go. This guy we've talked about several times. Came over uh, to the A's in 1990. Almost won the batting title in both leagues. But uh, here he is, back with the St. Louis Cardinals. Outfielder, the alien, E.T. Willie McGee. It's a good-looking uh, good-looking jersey. That is definitely spring training because he's wearing his uh, BP jersey in an actual game. That card 
is, wow, that's a common card. Not worth anything. Uh, he does have that little mustache, though. That's always a good good scent there. Can't see his stirrups, but uh, that is uh, Willie McGee wearing the double ear flap. I think, and maybe somebody can tell me if I'm wrong here, I think Jed Lowry is the only current Major League player that has any service time that still wears intentionally a double ear flap. Uh, next, we've got this guy who's around forever. Pitcher for the Boston Red Sox, Mike Boddicker. I wonder if they called him the Bod. I, I, would, have I would have totally called him the Bod. Uh, he is not worth anything. Uh, he'd been around for quite a while here. These flare cards, actually, I like them. They give you all his minor league numbers, of which he was in the minors for quite some time. Uh, no mustache, no, uh, no look at the stirrups, so that is not worth anything. Here is kind of the bane of my Oakland A's fandom in the late 80s, early 90s. We've talked about him. He's been a very successful pitching coach in the major leagues. Lefty for the Oakland Athletics, Rick Honeycutt. Now, I used to call him something else, a word that rhymes vaguely with cut, um, but he was not my favorite player. Uh, you look at his career numbers, and they're pretty darn good at this point. He'd been in the majors for uh, since 77, so that's 12, 13 years, a 3.76 ERA. Uh, but uh, he was not my favorite. I could not count on him to get the job done. And uh, he is a common. One one card, uh, he's card number 11. Card number 10 is Ricky Henderson, so very close. Next, we've got this guy from the Philadelphia Phillies. I remember Ricky Jordan, first baseman. Good-looking card here with a BP jersey in spring training. He's got a mustache. But uh, that mustache is the only only value I'm going to get out of that card. Just one cent. I'm, I'm a little shocked. I thought we would get more more value out of the uh, the stirrups rule. But so far, not not a whole lot. Just one. Or actually, I guess two. Next, here we go. We I, In fact, I think I just mentioned him earlier. Lee Mazzelli, outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays. I remember him course mainly with the Mets in the 80s I think he might have been on the 86 Mets team he is uh, not sporting a mustache that I can tell and I'm going to guess that that is a common it is been around in the big leagues for quite a while at this point came up with the Mets played with the Rangers Yankees Pirates back to the Mets and the Blue Jays here we oh we've talked about this guy for quite a quite a while we've talked about this guy quite few times catcher for the pittsburgh pirates this guy looks like his nickname guy used to have speed for a catcher too spanky mike lavalier and i know mark and i have both gone on and talked about spanky several for several moments when we've when we've had him come up before one of my all-time favorite catchers that card though is is a common but if you know anything about spanky you know that he always had a, a mustache, and he does in this. Can't see his stirrups. Can guarantee you he's got real stirrups, though, because he's spanky. And my final card here is a league standout. So this is a kind of an artsy card. It is shortstop. I'm going to get a Hall of Fame, you know, get Hall of Fame cred here for Barry Larkin, shortstop for the Reds. Now, I believe this is a special issue card because it is listed as number one and there is no number one as Barry Larkin on my price guide here so we're gonna have to do some fancy scoring here he is 
uh, a Hall of Famer, of course, that's five cents, and he's got real stirrups on. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna call that a six cent card. And not a bad way to go out. That was my only Hall of Famer, though. But that was actually not a bad pack there. So let's do some quick math. And my pack, then pack 10, but now pack 12 education tells me that I have scored 40 cents. Not bad. Uh, I, I, th I think the stirrup rule, at least with these flares, wasn't uh, wasn't too, it was you know, didn't screw up our score that much. I think we'll, we'll try it again with some other packs uh, next week when Mark is back. But uh, not a bad pack. I'll take that. Uh, I'll take that pack mainly because you got Matt Williams in there, who's always one of one of my favorites. Even though he was on the Giants, you got Willie McGee, who, you know, just look at him. You got to love that. And then you got Mike Lavalier and and Barry Larkin. So not a bad pack. We'll take it. Not bad for a rack pack that started out with Steve Rosenberg. So there you go. Forty cents. All right, so uh, that's uh, probably going to about do it for, for our first, hopefully this will be our only solo show, but uh, Mark, uh, again, will be back next week. Hopefully my voice will be a little bit better, unless maybe, you remember that episode of Friends when Phoebe was sick and everyone loved the way she sang? Is that, maybe I'll get that when I, when you listen to this, that maybe this is a little bit more relaxing with my edit out all the coughs and you just hear my sick voice anyway uh if you would like to join us uh or follow us rather on social media we would sure appreciate it you can find us at two strike noise that is at two strike noise we are on both twitter and instagram feel free to follow us dm us uh, talk to us I'd love to hear it from listeners there we also just want to say thank you again to all of our listeners we really do appreciate it uh, everybody that sends us uh does correspond with us and uh, really just listening to us is uh, very much appreciated if you feel the need to rate and review wherever you get your podcast go ahead and do it we appreciate it uh, until uh, I guess probably the new year this will be our last show for the new year or last show for uh, 2019 until the new year wish you happy holidays have a safe and happy new year and we will see you on the next edition of two strike noise